Nate James is an independent soul artist with a successful career to date, having sold over a million albums, earned MOBO nominations and Urban Music Awards, and he has headlined festivals across Europe and toured with the likes of Amy Winehouse and John Legend. Nate joins me today to fly the flag for the music industry's LGBTQIA community, sharing his own personal story, including how his school teachers supported him in his early years, and discusses the response to particularly gay male presenting singers within music, which is the topic of his thesis. Just a word of warning, the content contains some language which listeners may find triggering. Nate James, you are writing a thesis on the topic of queerness in music, exploring the impacts of both media and social opinions of how gay male pop stars who fall outside of heteronormative masculinity exist and are represented in the industry. So firstly, why is it important for you to write about this in particular? I mean, as a gay man myself and a singer, obviously, as well, um, you know, I think that I didn't really have uh, growing up any kind of um, guidance or, um, you know, there were obviously pop stars who were, well, the question was, are they gay? Are they not gay? You know, there are people out there that, you know, society, the mass media kind of thought or, you know, I mean, the classic examples, George Michael and the whole L.A. toilets thing, you know, um, but I didn't actually have like a point person. And I just thought, I mean, as we started our thesis planning back in February of this year, um, I was going to write about homophobia and racism, but it was too big a subject or too, too massive subjects, obviously, in the industry. And obviously me being, you know, of mixed heritage and also gay, I was like, this is, this is me. This is kind of my story. And, you know, finding out why it's possible for me to be on stage, be out, be proud, be happy. And I just thought, you know what, it's, it's almost like it's being talked about, but not talked about. You know, and I just feel like let me just try and shine a light on the reasons why I can be myself, be authentic, be true to myself, be happy and who's kind of paved the way and how things have changed in general in the world to allow that to happen. And if you're happy to share, like, how has this affected you as a performer to now? Like, when did you start to feel like you could be authentically you? And was there experiences that got in the way of that? I mean, in my thesis, I kind of, you know, stated that I was effectively living two lives. I think that's the case for most gay male pop stars, queer as well. I mean, I, I can't speak for everyone, obviously, just my experiences. But, you know, I think that we live a life that is, you know, in the limelight. It's in the public eye. And, you know, we give away what we see fit to give away. And with that in mind, I mean, my issues with being gay were totally internal my parents are wonderful liberal-minded people I was raised in a very loving family um you know there's no religious spin that kind of told me this is wrong I shouldn't feel this way it was literally in my head in my heart I was like what is what is going on and I think the not understanding it and the the lack of someone to turn to who was already doing it or living it or being it um was a huge thing for me so I was basically you know living yeah the, the life of uh dare i say a casanova or whatever with the ladies um in the public eye and then behind closed doors you know i had a, a long-term relationship with a guy and i think for me I, I went to nashville i took myself to the states for three months to go songwriting um when was this 2013 maybe 2000 mm, it was after the voice so 2015 and i wrote a song called in my skin with a guy called shannon sanders who i just love he I didn't come out to him. He's like, what do you want to write about? I said, I want to write about 
being told who to love, being told who to hate, like all these kind of things that are pushed on us from a young age. And, you know, as, as kids growing up, we're sponges. We soak up everything around us, be it aimed at us or, you know, in our surroundings. And I just wrote this song in my skin. And it was basically my testament. It was my, my story saying, I'm comfortable with my skin. This is who I am. And I wrote it in such a way that I feel like anyone that hears it can kind of, you know, relate it to themselves, be it they're, they're gay, they're straight, they're bi, they're queer. I mean, not even just the community, you know, just in general in life, you know, I'm comfortable with my skin and I'm happy with who I am. Um, so I think when I released that song, and I started to kind of just live my my best life, I guess, as my true self. So I think that was the pivot for me. In the industry, have you experienced personally any kind of trying to suppress parts of your personality, sexuality in order to progress? Oh, definitely. I mean, I talk about coded language a lot in uh, in my thesis as well and how, I mean, I, I interviewed uh, Simon Napier-Bell, who managed Wham! Um, before George came out, obviously there's Andrew and George and they were, you know, I mean, they were just these beautiful men out there, you know, living their best life. And I uh, mean, by all accounts, Andrew Ridgely had a, a very good time um, <laughs> with the ladies. George was a bit quieter. Obviously, we know why now. But, you know, Simon said to me, you know, if you're going to go to America with Wham, if you want to come out, it's going to be a problem. So if you, you know, if you don't come out, but that was America at the time. It was America in the 80s. I mean, the world in the 80s was the AIDS stigma and HIV and being gay equal death. I mean, the, the mass media uh, portrayal of the HIV virus and AIDS was, was just awful. So I think that, you know, that sort of coded language and, you know, I interviewed a few people and I did a lot of research on the trans community as well and, and how they actually changed, the, changing their voices to suit a scenario with a certain group of people because they can't be their true self in front of them or they're afraid that if they are or they do, something bad can come of it. So yeah, that that whole coded language and coded behavior thing just knocked me sideways. And I thought, actually, I've, I've done that myself. You know, in when you go for you know a, a lovely slap up dinner at the Woolsey or you know some bougie restaurant somewhere, you know, I'm not a, a particularly well. Not, I'm, a, I'm a big character. I'm not loud, but I don't sort of see myself as particularly overly camp or overly extravagant in that respect. Um, but I think in those sort of scenarios, you do have to kind of dial it down a bit. Because the people that you're with or the people that you're around may not approve. And that's still a sad fact today. Yeah, and you've been doing a lot of research for your thesis and you, you've shared some stories there. Like, what else are you uncovering in the industry that is either just proving a point or is quite shocking? Um, I think the underlying thing that I found was, yeah, be yourself, but not too much. And that's just really sad because it's like you can't say to someone to be themselves, but have parameters and have boundaries uh, over that. So, yeah, I mean, I think that there's been a lot of, you know, little Nas X and you know, there's been a lot of great in Frank Ocean, a great, great kind of progression and openness and honesty in the industry. And I, I hope that continues, but there's still these very archaic mindsets with some of the people in the industry and sadly some of the most powerful people in the industry as well. And it's kind of now where artists are signed because they are, queer because they are trans because they are gay because it's a novelty and it sells records and labels just care about money you know and that, i mean business is business i understand that but it's almost like you're you know way back when you know if you were gay in a boy band it was a really bad thing and you couldn't come out um, you know i had a really good chat with duncan james uh, i interviewed him my thesis as well and he was saying you know it's just flipped completely on his backside now because he's the gay guy in a boy band and that's cool do you know what i mean that's that's a, it's, a, it's a bonus to have him there whereas before he wasn't able to just come out and say anything 
And he said when Stephen Gately came out, it just put the fear of God into him because he was like, God, I'm next. You know, they were the same era, the same kind of time. And he just felt this immense, immense pressure to kind of, and obviously he had a daughter as well. Like there's just, you know, there's, there's so many contributing factors. Um, so yeah, I, I think that I'm quite shocked that even though on the outside and, you know, from the consumer's point of view, things have got better and they have. But if you look between the lines and sort of underneath it all, there's, there's still a lot, of, a lot of work to be done. When I was about 11 years old, I absolutely fell completely in love with Will Young when he was on Pop Idol. <laughs> he was lovely, yeah. <laughs> fell in love, like it was ridiculous. I mean, I had scrapbooks, posters, I queued for hours for him. I have a teddy bear that I still have to this day who is almost dressed in the same stuff that he would wear. Honestly, I love like, that. Borderline creepy, to be honest, Nate. Um, <laughs> we all have we all have one obsession like that. It's fine. Who's it's yours? Totally... Do you know what? In my younger days, uh, it's funny. I mean, I'd say Kylie, but not not as the as the gay man when I was a young boy. I mean, my my wall was covered in posters of Yasmin Bleef, Kylie Minogue, Danny Minogue. Uh, I think Kathy Dennis was up there. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I didn't, I didn't go quite as far as Teddy Bear dressed as someone, but <laughs> yeah, they were definitely artists out there that you know I just thought oh my god I would love to be like them you know yeah I mean yeah I was in I was in total awe of of Will Young and I remember he he, he didn't come out throughout his time on Pop Idol um and his sexuality was like front page news I remember where I was when that was yeah. the headline when your um, heart was broken, you were like, oh, no. I, I, know, if... <laughs> <laughs> I remember him saying, I think in an interview, how he felt scared and, and he didn't want to rock the boat for his career. Um, mm. And he also said how when the news broke, paparazzi were outside his house, like a scene from Notting Hill, and he had a panic yeah. attack in Tesco. I mean, yeah. that was a good 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned some of the people you've interviewed there. But what, what are the challenges that, that gay male pop stars are facing now, especially in the light of social media? Um, I mean, social media, I feel it's a double-edged sword. You know, we have these platforms where we can we can be our true selves. But obviously, everyone's watching that. And, you know, it could be a slip of the tongue. It could be the wrong outfit in someone's eyes. There's so many things that could trigger, you know, the trolling and the nasty behavior that goes on. Um, I think that, you know, Instagram, social media in general is a blessing and a curse when it comes to someone who is, you know, I guess in in my shoes, you know, as a gay male pop star, I suppose, I mean, pop star, soul singer, we'll go with that. Um, But I remember in my research, I'd read an interview with one of Freddie Mercury's best friends and Freddie said to him, he never came out as gay because he didn't want to tarnish the brand that Queen worked so hard to build. And I just thought that was, I mean, very admirable, but also so sad. You know, I mean, we all knew Freddie was gay, you know, his, his outfits, his mannerisms. I mean, he was just fabulous, you know, and I heard he threw the, the wildest parties and there was a lot of crazy things going on. And I kind of was like, I kind of wish I'd gone to one of those, maybe. Just, just to see what it was like, you know. Like Studio 54, like I would love to have gone just for one night to see what it was like and to experience that uh, that era. Um, I think that, you know, there's very similar battles are being fought now. I don't, you know, I mean, look at sports. I mean, we're now seeing more and more footballers come out as gay. And I think that's a really good step in the right direction. Um, but there's a lot of fear still out there, you know. And I think that... Um, as Simon A.P. Bell said to me, you know, the media always follows society. The media always follows social opinion. They never actually set something on, they don't set the wheels in motion. They follow what's going on. I think that the same issues are still there. Um, the same fears are still there. 
and you know with social media and posting you know where you are and what you're doing like you know if someone doesn't like what you're doing or like you as a person and what you stand for they can find you so again double-edged sword you know i'm not saying i'm not saying being dramatic but that is the truth right so yeah i, I think it's a blessing in the curse right now i think there's a lot a lot more to be done and not to keep it on my obsession of will young <laughs> you're fine <laughs> I, I remember his first album. I could sing it all to you now if you want. <laughs> I know all the words still. It's still in my brain. <laughs> I, I have no idea if there's anything behind this at all or whether it's been reported on, but I remember all the lyrics were about she and love for women, and he'd come out as gay at that point. Like, Have you experienced anybody being told that they can't write certain lyrics or that their music has to sound a particular way? I mean, my first album set the time was actually about my ex-girlfriend. I wrote it when I was breaking up with her and uh, she was a catalyst for a lot of the songs on that record. Um, and when that came out, I wasn't out yet. Um, and, you know, there was various uh, bras and knickers being thrown on the stage and roses and all that, you know, all that pop star jazz fun stuff. Um, I mean, I think as... It's difficult, you know, as a songwriter, as an author, as anyone who's, you know, creating a copyright and has a body of work out there, you have to be very careful kind of what you say. Um, it, you know, obviously freedom of speech is, is is paramount. But, you know, when I write songs now, I mean, the first album was was She, Baby, Girl. It was all that stuff. Um, my new album, In My Skin, is um, a diary. Um, I don't yeah, I didn't even actually there's a couple of songs on there about myself and Jared, my other half, um, that were just I just they just I don't know, sometimes the mood just takes you and I was just writing about, you know, how much I was in love and how happy I was. And I don't do that for a very long time, if at all, to be honest. Um so I think you just have to kind of it's really sad to say you just have to tread carefully. Probably I don't know about anyone being told they can't write lyrics about a boy if they're gay. I'm sure it goes on. Um but those songs and those artists maybe are yet to come out, metaphorically speaking, but also come out and release the music. Um, so, yeah, I think there's still uh, eggshells that have to be, you know, tiptoed over at times, um, which is a shame because, you know, people should be able to make the music they want to make. Charlie Christensen is a young anti-bullying campaigner who experienced verbal and physical abuse for his love of musical theatre. And his bullies called him gay, said things like only ponces dance, amongst other really cruel, horrible things. Um, yeah. Billy Elliot obviously taught us nothing because we are still experiencing this today where it seems yeah. particularly difficult for male presenting singers to not only be involved in performing but to also even simply enjoy it and openly be a part yeah. of it yeah and it was charlie's singing teacher who tweeted for messages of support for the young student which went completely viral what can singing teachers and vocal coaches do to best support their clients who are experiencing backlash for their involvement in performing arts or who are receiving negative commentary for their sexuality I mean, I was a victim of bullying at school as well for the same reasons. I excelled in dance, art, drama, music. Um, you know, at one point, I think I choreographed a routine for me and 50 girls. Um, I was called faggot this and, I mean, the N-word as well because of my skin colour. I mean, I had a pretty hideous time. Uh, I went to a wonderful school, but I had a hideous time while I was there. And, you know, my, my Mrs. Cowley, Mrs. Ward, um, Mrs. Lawrence, Mr. Wilson, you know, they were my... Oh, I'm getting a bit emotional. They were... They were my team and they, uh, 
you know, I would basically just, I wouldn't hide in the drama room or hide in the art room, but I would spend a lot of time because I enjoyed art. I enjoy painting. I enjoy creating. So I would, um, you know, spend my lunch hour in there with them and we would talk and they would ask me, you know, I wouldn't name names. I wasn't, you know, a grass, but they could see that I was having a lot of flack for, um, for what I love doing. Um, and at 44 years old now, I, I couldn't care less. You know, I, I am very proud of who I am and the music I'm making and the person I am and the person I'm in love with. Um, uh, I think as far as what can they do, I mean, I think just, just be an ear, be a shoulder, be, you know, it's, uh, you know, you could, you could go out there on social media and you could, you know, start a campaign and anti this, anti that, because, you know, like you say, as much as men, uh, or, you know, people who identify as, as male find it hard to actually express their joy of dancing. They also are afraid to go to the opera and enjoy a, a, a performance on stage because of what their mates might say down the pub. I mean, it's, it's just, I'd say it's one of those things that doesn't make it right. And it's not acceptable. Um, but I think, you know, with the power of social media, I'm sure that there could be, you know, more things done and I'd be happy to get behind anything that was going on with that as well. You know, I think that, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's the power of numbers and power of a voice. And I think the more people that are talking about this and such as my thesis, you know, the more people that uh, I can reach, I mean, I'm writing a book based on a thesis now as well. That's going to be, you know, coming out next year. Um, because I just thought, you know what, I'm so passionate about this. It's a part of me. It's a part of my life. It's a part of my heritage and my story. Um, and there's so many artists that are going to come after me and that have come before me that maybe weren't in a position that I am in where, you know, I mean, in my head, a position of power. You know, I'm, I'm very grateful to have a voice and a singing voice and, you know, a speaking voice and to actually talk about the things that are going on right now that I don't agree with doesn't make me right but i feel like you know if we can kind of join together in some sort of movement and make a bit more noise about it maybe things will change and you you got a little bit emotional there about your teachers i mean what was it that they did to support you in that time that we can take on as as our, us coaches ourselves um i mean they just they would just listen to me you know they would they would their door was always open you know um you know we never you know had phone numbers but i've been back to my high school and done performances and you know three of them were in the front row just just crying just like so proud and so happy that i you know was doing what i loved and was on you know on my path and in, in my in my magic um you know i just think that just just the, you know we don't know what goes on at home. You know, I mean, my parents are wonderful and very supportive, but, you know, sometimes a tutor, a teacher, and also a stranger, you know, someone who's not your mum or dad or your family, um, are sometimes easy to talk to uh, on these kind of subjects. Um, I remember when I came out to my manager, uh, Anthony, um, which was after I came out to my parents, and it was like coming out to my parents again. It was just like that all over again. And I found it quite hard to, even though his brother was gay, I came, found it really hard to actually tell him. And his wife was like, just tell him. He knows anyway. I'm like, yeah, but I just can't say the words. Um, you know, I think as a, as a tutor and as someone who is, you know, teaching a talented, budding star, um, just tell them to shine bright like a diamond and just keep doing it. And, you know, if, if they get some flack for it, be on the other end of a phone or the end of an email or, you know, meet them for a coffee, just, I mean, you know, we're not, we're not counselors, but let's, I mean, try and counsel as best you can and just set their mind at ease that what they're doing is, is okay and they should be happy and just enjoy it. On one hand, someone might say that the performing arts and the music industry is one of the most accepting places to be your authentic self in comparison to something like sport. And as you mentioned earlier, we are seeing more sports people come out 
as gay or representing who they truly are. So what would you say about that? Is is the performance industry a place where it, it feels safer or? It sounds, I don't want to come across wrong. I feel like it's more commonplace in the, in the creative arts that someone is not just heterosexual. You know, I think that, I mean, I know some incredible ballet dancers who are, you know, who are straight men and straight women, you know, when people come out as gay, like straight people don't come out as straight, you know, there's no, it's difficult to how to explain it. Like when you see Swan Lake and one of my really good friends was in Swan Lake and I was just like, he is incredible. And I know for a fact he was bullied at school, even though he was straight, he dated the hottest girls in school, which made it even worse because the bullies hated him. Do you know what I mean? Like I know that that guy has been through the same thing I have, but from the other side of the coin and he's on stage just, just doing what he does. Um, I think that the performing, the performance industries definitely are leading the way. Um, but even in, in, in that industry, in our industry, not everyone's out, not everyone's there yet. Um, and I think that, you know, the more people that, that do um, come out and, and shine, um, then, you know, I guess they're kind of paving the way for the ones that come after. I guess like, I, I quote Jack from um, Will and Grace, who says, we gay it forward. I just love that. I just love that phrase. Because, uh, you know, what we're doing is, is I guess, laying the foundations and just trying to... Um, just show as many people as we can that, you know, we're happy in our skin and this is who we are and and it's not going to change, you know? Um, and football, um, I mean, there's so many industries out there where, you know, people are in the closet. And I think that, you know, I, I guess, you know, the more we can do from our microphones and our podcasts and our books and our performances, the better. Are there some music genres where it's more accepted to be part of the LGBTQIA plus community than others? And if so, why and how are we going to help those singers? Um, I mean, I think I'll go, I'm going to go back to my Freddie Mercury story with Queen. You know, Queen to this day is one of the, the most awesome rock bands of all time. You know, they're rock stars. Um, alongside, you know, Iron Maiden, um, Guns N' Roses. Um, basically, they're up there as, you know, iconic uh, rock bands. And it's really interesting, um, again, from Simon A.P. Bell, he was saying to me about how many rock bands back in the 80s had gay members, but they never came out because they're rock bands. And it just wasn't, it wasn't a done thing. You know, um, I mean, I think, you know, pop music, I guess, is the easiest field area of music to, to be authentic but then you know the frank oceans the little nars x's you know hip-hop um who came out as a debrat came out as a lesbian you know there's there's so many question marks over a lot of people but as time's going on you know more and more people are coming out and you know and telling it as it is and i i love to see it yeah i mean you know frank ocean came out as bi i'm not too sure how that's progressed if he's come out as you know 100 gay or what that is but you know people like Jay-Z are praising him for, for being honest and truthful, you know? And I think that, yeah, again, it's just the way society, when you think of hip hop music, you don't think of gay, gay hip hop artists, do you? It's not, it's not something that necessarily goes hand in hand. Same with rock music. You don't think, oh, the front singer, lead singer is, is gay because if they are, they haven't come out. And also it's not really been a known thing, you know, in, in the, in the years of music. So yeah, I think the pop, I mean, look, I'm a soul singer. I'm releasing an album uh, next year as an out gay man. So we'll see what happens. I'm going to America. I'll be touring over there. I'll get back to you on that one. And then you know how it goes, you know? I mean, I'm literally the guinea pig here. Because um, I don't know of any other soul artist as of late that's, that is openly gay, um, you know, making and making music like like mine. So I'm actually really excited to, to do it and to just, 
not have to hide anything anymore. Just be myself, you know, it's going to be great. There are some artists who are totally embraced for their authenticity and, you know, how they present themselves, namely Elton John, who was just at an amazing closing night at um, Glastonbury, and Harry Styles, who I think was the first male artist to wear a dress on the cover of Vogue. Mm -hmm. Why are some artists like that more embraced compared to what it seems like Sam Smith is going through? That's a really, really good question. Um, so I actually interviewed Nick Raphael, who actually signed Sam. And there's a quote in my thesis that says, um, we've always supported Sam, their decision um, as to how they want to be seen, portrayed, and so on. And it's really interesting if you look at Sam as, as his story, his evolution. You know, he came out as, I, I like to say, like a Michael Buble, the quiff, the suited and booted, the slim figure, you know, that sort of, generic pop star image and then I just, when I say the wheels have come off I mean it in a positive way I love I'm like he's there sorry they're there you know with the the tassels and the corset and the heels and I'm just like get it you know um and you know there has been a lot of backlash uh towards Sam and it's it's really sad because I I would hope that we were in a world that would kind of be a bit more understanding and accepting of of, of their fashion and so on but also the LGBTQIA plus community is also kicked back, which I find a little bit sad. And I was talking to um, someone else, Daniel Nismore, who's a walking piece of art. Daniel's incredible. Um, and Daniel said that um, there's, how can we expect people outside of the community to embrace and understand us if we're so disjointed and disconnected within ourselves? And I just thought that was so, such a, a poignant statement because it's so true. There's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, light being shone across the whole community. I feel the trans community have had a real tough time because they've been highlighted involuntarily. Um, and, you know, the government and, you know, various people with their views and opinions are making it very difficult to be, you know, trans in this in this day and age. Um, as far as Harry and Elton go, I mean, I feel like Elton and Sam have kind of had a similar journey because, you know, Elton was obviously straight way back when, even though he had the, you know, the feathers and the, and the shoulder pads, you know, he was, he was a straight artist initially and came out much later. And I just, yeah, I mean, I went to Elton and David's, uh, David Fennish's stag do, and it was just most of <laughs> feather, glitter, you can imagine, like, it was absolutely Amazing. epic. Amazing. Um, and I met them for the first time then. And, you know, they I, I, I can't, I don't really understand why, you know, Sam and, and other artists are getting so much flack. I mean, even Kim, Kim Petras, who did the, they did the song, uh, what was it, Unholy? You know, I mean, Kim's career has, has, you know, gone stratospheric off the back of that song as well. But I don't know why Sam's getting in the neck so much. It's really sad. You know, Harry Styles has always kind of pioneered gender fluidity and he's not trying to conform. Um, you know, whether that's a marketing campaign, whether that's coming from him, we don't know, but it looks great. And I think that with Harry, they've just got it right. You know, he's very still, you know, well, boy next door, but man next door, um, you know, and he's not answering any questions about sexuality. He's just living his life. He's, 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 he's having a great time. Uh, I just don't, I don't understand why Sam is, is getting so much flack. But hopefully that will change. I don't know. I mean, I did say in my thesis that the, the queerer Sam gets, his sales have actually gone down, which is really sad. I mean, to be fair, like, let's let's get in perspective. Like, 10, 12 million for Sam Smith is normal. 
eight million or ten million, that's still bloody great. You know, it's not like he's it's not like he's sold one record because he's queer. Sorry, because they're queer. Um it, so you know, I I just feel like it's a sad statistic, but it is it is the case. So I was hoping that um things turn around for the better. When you're working with somebody who comes into the room, they may have disclosed their sexuality or the community that they're a part of, they may not have how are we embracing somebody's authentic self and authentic sound and preparing them to go out into an industry who has an opinion? Um, I mean, I haven't had much experience of, I mean, I'm teaching now at LCCM. I'm lecturing uh, across four modules. I haven't had any experiences of anyone kind of coming out to me or revealing their authentic self to me. I've had um, uh, a student here and there with, um, conditions that you know they um are dealing with and that was actually quite an insight because i've never come across it before um i just think you know what i said before i think this you know being an ear being a shoulder and just being someone's number one fan i just think is just so so important because you know it's a brutal industry it's very exciting it's it's glitz and glamour and it's all the lights and it's travel and the touring and the stage and the crowds and the you know it's it's an amazing industry to be a part of but i just feel like you know, if you're coaching someone, if you're, if you're, you know, nurturing them and you're developing them, they, they need to kind of be prepared for the good, the bad and the ugly. And you know what? I mean, I got signed and dropped when I was 18 years old. I was in a boy band and I developed a very thick skin off the back of that. Um, I stopped music for about two years before I released my debut album independently. Um, and in those two years, I was climbing the walls. I was in tears. I was angry. I was sad. I was so many emotions. I worked in a hotel in my hometown and um, just could not give any less airs about music or singing. I was that burnt by it. Um, but I think that fire and that anger, I turned it around and I was like, I need to write songs about this. I need to get this out. I need my therapy, write my little poems and my diary entries, which turned into songs. Um, so I think, you know, as far as preparing an artist or a student or someone to go out there in this, in this big, bad world, just, just, it's not about holding their hand. It's just kind of just giving them a little, a little brush off when things go wrong and lifting them back up again and saying, off you go, go again. You know, because for every hundred well, I mean, for every five, three yeses, there's like, what, a hundred no's, you know, and the no is not a reflection of your talent or your authenticity or your gender or anything. It's just not right for them at that time, but it will be right for someone. So I think it's just a case of banging on the doors, um, believing in what you're doing, taking pride in what you're doing and who you are, um, and it will fall into place. Um, that's what I believe. I mean, it's taken me a long time to get to where I am. Um, and this is you know, effectively the second coming, you know, coming out with an album after 13 years. Um, and I'm ready to be a role model. I'm ready to be someone that, you know, a student who's at school and is dancing and being called a faggot can look up to and be like, well, he was called that and he's standing there doing that. So I'm good. You know, that's kind of what I, I want to kind of leave as a, well, not a legacy, but do you mean like leave my, leave my, my print on the world as someone who um, persevered um, and just kind of, yeah, kept it moving. So tell us, Nate, when will your book and your thesis be published for us to enjoy? So the the thesis, I think, won't be published for now. Um, 
purely because um, I'm actually having a meeting with my agent tonight to talk about uh, the offers that she's had in. Um, so I'm literally signing the book deal. I'll be signing the book deal before Christmas. It'll be out in summer next year. The album's coming out in May, a documentary to go alongside it as well. And then the book will be in summertime. So um, busy year next year. Yes. And you said you were heading to America. Yeah, I've never actually domestically released a record in the States. My music's been sold over there, obviously, through, you know, the various platforms and on import and CD and vinyl back in the day. Um, But I've never actually done a domestic deal in the US. So I've got my first, second and now my third studio album to release over there. So it's going to be a busy year of lots of music. Um, And I can't wait. Honestly, I feel like I've been my master's in this year. Um, it's just been about planting seeds, having meetings, talking to people, just kind of getting a, a, my, my team back together again or our team back together again um, that are going to kind of come on this journey with me. And I just actually can't wait to um, to crack on with it in January and February. So, yeah. Amazing. Well, I wish you so much luck. And just Thank tell you. us where we can follow you. And, uh, well, hopefully nobody will be a bit like I was with Will Young. <laughs> but you never know. Where can we follow all your work? Uh, so my Instagram is at the Nate James. Someone took Nate James, so it's the Nate James. Uh, Facebook is just Nate James Official. Um, and my music is just Nate James everywhere. So go and have a listen, check it out, learn the words. When I go on tour, I want you to sing back to me. <laughs> yes, amazing. So much luck to you, Nate, and thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you, I had a great time. enjoying the singing teachers talk podcast and who are we kidding of course you are share the love by giving us a ahem, five star rating and leaving a comment just head to the singing teachers talk main page on the apple podcast app and scroll to the bottom to click write a review